Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Good to see you here this morning. We want to thank you for being today here today with us at the FFGF. And um, it is, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to speak to you today while our pastors are gone. Um, I think if you haven't heard, they're up in New York. They're uh, speaking at a church up there. And so I'm going to be sharing the word with us this morning. But first of all, before we do that, our ushers are going to pass out. Um, we have a lot of these flyers that we need to get rid of. And so, and so we're going to pass them out to you, and you're going to take them, and you're going to put them up in businesses and give them to friends, and it's going to be amazing. And so we're going to ask you to take two or three of them. If you have a place that you frequent during the week, you know, if you go to Chipotle a lot, or if you go to Starbucks, I don't know, they have bulletin boards. If you go somewhere downtown, put them up, ask the people first, they'll let you do it. And, uh, and, and if you could just put these up all over town, we believe that many people who don't know Jesus are going to come and... and and meet him. Can you say amen? Uh, and you know what happens when you meet Jesus, everything changes. And so, and so we'd like for you to take those. We're going to show you just a quick video of kind of what, what last year looked like. And, um, and so Josh is going to play that for us. And so Josh, you want to put that up and, and just watch this. want you to be there this coming Friday night. Yeah, it's going to be a special time. It is. It is. And we've really been praying. What you can do as well as just come on Friday, be ready to worship, come in expectation. How many of you know when people who show up in expectation, the atmosphere is different? Something's going to be different if you show up expecting something that's going to happen. And so so let your faith rise this week. And I want to ask you, um, if you'd be in prayer about it each day this week, you just, you doesn't have to be an hour, but if you take four or five minutes and just say, Holy Spirit, I want you to be in Market Square on Friday night with us. And I pray that you'll draw people who need to be there. And I pray that you'll clear out the hindrances and distractions to keep people away. And we pray for no rain. And we pray that you'll be there in a powerful way. Would you do that with us this week? Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, I just have a message for us this, this morning. Um, First of all, we'd like to welcome Tim, who's back with us from Texas. Could you welcome Tim this morning? Yeah. Texas. I've been to Texas once. It's hot. It's warm. <laughs> um, welcome him today. Thanks for being here with us, brother. Um, a killer called comparison. Oh. A killer called comparison. I'm going to pray for me that the Holy Spirit would be speaking through me, and it wouldn't be my words today, but I really feel like this is from the Holy Spirit, and I've, I've felt like this for the whole week, that 
God wanted me to share this with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here right now. God, we say, come and have your way. Lord, I pray pray that it wouldn't be my words, but yours. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak through me as we just connect to your word right now. So, God, we love you. We thank you so much for what you've done in each life here. And we pray that you'd be here in a powerful way today. God, we pray that not one of us will leave the same as when we walked in this building today. God, we appreciate your mercy and your grace. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you repeat that after me? A killer called comparison. A killer called comparison. Um, If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. We're not to it yet, but there's one thing I want to write you down. I want you to write down, but we're not to it yet. Okay. Years ago, in Manchester, England, there lived a factory worker who had a very responsible job. The whistle that marked the beginning and end of the workday was operated at a clock, and it was his job to be sure that the clock was accurate. So every day on his way to work, he stopped by the window of a clock shop. Sounds reasonable. In the window was a very expensive clock, and he set his watch by it. Then he set the factory whistle clock by his watch. And so this clock in the window of the clock shop, I know this may be a little confusing, but the clock shop clock, he would take and set his clock so he could know when work was over, he'd blow the whistle. That was his job. And so the clock shop owner began to notice him stopping by the window every day on his way to work, and he asked him about it. And he explained that he set the factory clock by that expensive clock in the window so that the factory whistle would blow on time. The owner laughed, and he said, all this time I've been setting this expensive clock by your factory whistle. (laughs) Do you see, it's a funny little illustration for the danger of comparison. We often can live our life rather than focused on our direction and following God, We live our life focused on the people around us. And I dare say, and this is what I want to get to this morning, uh, and I want to just share with you what comparison is not this morning, first of all, because I don't want to confuse anyone today. Um, um, comparison, Comparison is not this. It's not inspiration. It's not admiration and encouragement from another life. That's a good thing. I just want to just get you clear this morning. If you see godly people in your life who are serving God, who are an inspiration to others, who are an inspiration in business, an inspiration in ministry, an inspiration in, in their family, and their marriage, that is a good thing. And so, and so I'm not saying comparison, uh, you're never supposed to compare or, or, or be inspired to be encouraged by other people. But comparison is this. Comparison is examining the similarities and differences of two or more things, ideas, or people, which leads to either one of two things is when you know you're comparing. It either leads to self-exaltation or it leads to self-degradation. And so what happens when you're comparing, you can do a little a test on yourself. If when I'm looking at the lives of other people, do I feel like, oh, I'm better than I thought I was? Or do I say, man... This is, my life's lame right now. Do you see their business? Do you see that guy's salary? Do you see the new house they just purchased? Man, I am way behind. Or, man, thank gosh, I am not that person. Wow, man, driving around that old thing, man, he's married, she's a mess, right? No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. None of you ladies are a mess, it's the guys. Guys are always the problem. (laughs) You can know that you're comparing 
when the result is either self-exaltation or self-degradation. You know why that's not pleasing to God? Is because nobody else should have the opportunity and the power to exalt you or degrade you. It's God's job to exalt you. It's God's job to convict you. So comparison is often a killer. When I look at the world around me, oh, it's never been easier than 2018 to compare myself to other people. I don't know if you have, if you have, any have social media like Facebook or Instagram. Oh, it's never been easier to scroll Instagram and just say, man, that guy's life's awesome. Man, you see, what in the, why, how did he get that promotion? What has he been doing? Man, I don't think he's even a Christian, but like, this is crazy, right? Like, it's never been easier to look at other people's lives and say, wow, thank God I'm me, or wow, oh. I wish I was someone else. And I just want to show you some stuff in the Bible today, how, how comparison on the list of sins, right, that we think about, we don't think of comparing. We don't think of comparing and contentedness. We think of, you know, oh, don't, don't do drugs, right? Don't, don't have affairs. Don't sleep around and don't, don't steal and don't curse. But, but, but really comparison can, can rob from you can kill your destiny, can kill God's joy in your life. Oh, one of the main things that comparison will do is steal your joy, because it steals contentedness. Oh man, I just wish I was somebody else. Just wish I had something else. I just wanna say to you today that wishing for someone else's life isn't who God has called you to be. He hasn't called you to chase the mirage of uncontentedness. He's called you to live in the contented lifestyle of thankfulness. And so I want to just read with you in scripture today um, just some verses reinforcing how we're called to live a life of thankfulness and how comparison will ultimately destroy my, my, my path. Um, I want to remind you today who you are, first of all. Israel in the Old Testament are God's chosen people. We, we still love, Israel are special and they've been given the promises of God, but, but through Jesus, we've all been, the Bible says, grafted in. You're part of the family. And so I just wanna remind you today who you are in 1 Peter 2 verse nine says this, but you are, and this is to you today, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Does this make you feel as special as you are, just reminding you how you don't need to compare yourself to everybody else, that you're actually chosen, that you're actually royal, that you're actually holy. His own special people, oh, you're special, and not in like the special way where you're like, you know, he's special, right? You're special. <laughs> that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people. I love that. You are not a people, but now you're the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Aren't you thankful today? I want to remind you who you are. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people called by God. You used to be no people. Now you're the people of God. And so, and so today, there's no need for comparing. Especially today, I want to focus on comparing yourself to the world. You know, the world has a different system of how it runs. Manipulate my way to the top. I push out my other, others out of my way to get where I need to be. I cheat, I lie, I steal. I get whatever I need to get done just so I can make it happen. Make my own way, climb my own ladder, kicking others off the, off the bottom rung. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for myself. I'm going to build my reputation, build my empire. I just want to remind you today that the ways of the world never work in the kingdom of God. You start comparing yourself to the world. You start comparing yourself how, how the world does stuff. And all of a sudden, you're working by a different set of rules. You're not working by God's set of rules that increase favor. You're, in, you're, you're working by a different set of rules that, that don't bring God's favor. So I just want to remind you who you are, that there's no reason to compare because you're chosen. You're already in. You're already called. You already, you're already have a purpose and a plan over your life. From, from the youngest to the oldest, it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 60 or 14 or, or 25. You have a plan, a call. God has things for you to do, but sometimes we can often look around and get confused on what that is and focus on the wrong things. And so I just want to realign us this morning. I first want to start with Israel. Just remind you who Israel is, and then we're going to get to the Old Testament and a story about the Israelites. Uh, God calls in the Old Testament this main man called Abraham. Beautiful superlative. I love when God gives superlatives for men in the Bible. The superlative of Abraham is friend of God. Isn't that beautiful? Dave was a man after God's own heart. So many God gives, you know, Moses was humble, meek before God. There's no one on the earth meeker than Moses. Uh, uh, Abraham was God's friend. I love that. And so, and so in Genesis 22, 17 through 18, God forms such a friendship with Abraham that he says this, in blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand, which is on the seashore and to your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God's favor is on Abraham because he's obeyed the voice of God. Let me remind you today, who is giving you favor? Oh, it's not your job. It's not your boss. It's not your bank account. It's not, it's not the things that have gone well. It's actually the king of all the heavens and earth who is the one who's called you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and he's called you to do amazing things for him. So after Abraham, there's this, his son, Isaac, and, there, and then there's Jacob. And then, uh, and, then, and then one of Jacob's sons is Joseph. And we, we, maybe if you've been to church for a while, you remember what happens where, where Joseph is betrayed by his brothers and, and he's sold into slavery into Egypt, but it's God's hand is on him all the way as, he's, as he is, um, he's rises up because of God's favor from a slave to a prince in Egypt and is in his in second in command only to Pharaoh. And, and God tells him about an oncoming famine that's about to happen. The, the known world of Egypt is saved at the time because of the faith and life of Joseph. And, and then 400 years ha happen and, and, excuse me, some time passes and the Israelites who come because of Joseph become slaves. 400 years passes, and God raises up Moses to deliver them. They cross the Red Sea. They leave Egypt with riches, and God blesses them and gives them favor once again because they are God's people. They begin the journey out in the wilderness. They begin to walk on this journey to what God has promised, which is their own land, their own property. Anybody have a big piece of property today? I wish we had some more property over at my house. We got about 14 feet surrounding the house, right? You have some acreage. They had some acreage lined up, thank God. All right. Um, um, 
God supernaturally preserves his people and gives them provision, protection, favor. And he also gives them his law. He provides for them a place to worship the tabernacle and divine direction. Can you imagine? Literally, this would be my dream, right? It's... in the middle of the day, there's a cloud that literally tells them when to walk, and then at fire at night, that tells them when to stop, And right? It's like the direction of God is so clear. It's like literally every moment, they know exactly where they're supposed to be. I just want to encourage you, the grace of the Old Testament isn't greater than the New Testament. I believe God can do this in your life right now, that you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be at each moment. I know not all of us are there, and I know I'm not always there. But I believe that we can come to the place in, in faith where, you know what, God, you're speaking to me and you're, you're bringing me step by step. And I believe you love me and I believe that even maybe the missteps I take, you're leading me along the way. But anyways, that's a different sermon for a different time. God gives Israel the land he promised them. Promised them. And Israel, all of a sudden, after the, Joshua takes over from Moses, Joshua dies. All of a sudden, Israel's in need of leadership. He needs somebody to take over the reins. They have nobody to lead them any longer. And so God does this thing where he raises up men and women called judges. And so that's where we have the book of Judges. And Judges, we have enumerated all these stories of the great exploits of these men and women of God who lead Israel, the people of God. And so what happens often is Israel will serve God. And then what happens is, just like human nature, they will enjoy the blessing and they'll begin to fall away. They'll begin to worship other idols and then God has to lift his favor and blessing because there's sin and where there's sin, God cannot abide. And so God's favor has to recede and then all of a sudden they come under attack and then they repent and God returns and restores and, and, and the cycle happens kind of over and over and it, it's honestly a little frustrating when you read Judges just to see the human nature of mankind but I see myself in it. I see us in it. But anyways, judges are God-ordained God ordained spiritual leaders to tell God's people what he's saying. You know, the government that God had set over Israel was something called a theocracy. is where he would raise up a man or woman to speak to, and then that man or woman would speak to their generation and tell them what God was saying. That's what God had set up. That's the favor of God. And I want to show you in Judges chapter 2, just a verse about this. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hands of those who plundered them. And so so God raised up these men and women. I'm going to read you their names today. Very difficult assignment for me, but but I want to read you the ones enumerated in Scripture. Othniel, Ehud, nobody name, name your kids Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, my girl Deborah, the, the woman judge. Gideon, who knows Gideon? Gideon's my favorite guy in the Bible. He was so weak and unprepared, but God strengthened him so much to do amazing, amazing things. Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Iz, uh, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, Samson, also Samuel. And Eli. Samuel is the last judge enumerated in scripture, which gets me to 1 Samuel 7. And I'm going to read some scripture with you today. We're going to roll through this, but I have to show you this story and explain what I feel like God is telling me to share with you today. So 1 Samuel 7, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, And so here we go. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim 
came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill, consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. This is what's going on right now. The Philistine have, have, Philistines, Israel's enemies, have captured the ark of the Lord. They've taken it, and, and at this point, the, the Israelites have fought with the favor of God and recaptured it, and they're bringing it back to their city and celebrating because the restoration of God's presence in their lives. That's what's going on. So it was, verse two, so it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time, and it was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Astaroths from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Astaroths and served the Lord only. Just a little background on these gods that they were serving. Um, the plural form of Baal refers to the numerous images of Baal which existed, as does to the plural form of Ashtaroth, to those of the female goddess Astarte. They were both favored Phoenician deities known under the familiar names of Baal, Bill, Bel, and Ashtaroth. They represented the productive power of nature and were generally worshipped throughout the East usually with a wild and wanton worship. So, they, so Israel was engaged in worshiping other things that other nations served. And God says, if you serve me, I'll protect you, I'll guide you, I'll lead you. Verse five, and Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. They begin to repent. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God, for the Lord our God is with us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines." And so Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Now I just want to, you know, this may sound like a beautiful point in the story, but I just want to remind you of what's, you know, clear what's going on. There are, there is a large army coming the Israelites way and about to attack. And Samuel's sacrificing. There's nobody getting their swords, nobody getting their shields. There's nobody telling the battle plan. There's nobody figuring out what to do. There's worship going on. Oh, this is weird. This is strange. Because why should I be worshiping when I'm being attacked? It's time to figure it out. It's time to make my plan. It's time to fight. It's time to get the battle together. Come on. We need the Marines. Call in the Marines, you know? It's time, it's time to mobilize. Let's get this going. But no. Samuel is worshiping. Weird. Not the way most people would prepare for battle, right? As the Philistines are about to attack, Samuel's worshiping. Okay, here goes Samuel. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered them. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were so overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. You ever read, sang the song, 
Come thou fount, here I raise my Ebenezer. That's what this is talking about, just in case you thought it was Ebenezer Scrooge. This is like the actual, here I raise my Ebenezer. My, my remembrance to the Lord for what he's done and how he's delivered me. Just that was free. All right. So the Philistines were subdued, and they didn't come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, to Gilgal, to Mizpah, and judged Israel in all these places. But he always returned to Ramah for his home were there. And there he judged Israel. There he built an altar to the Lord. I, I, I don't know if you know where I'm going yet, but we're going to read 1 Samuel 8 in a minute. And I'm sorry for so much reading today, but there's a point to it. This was God's design for Israel. God's design for Israel is the same for you today. For God to fight your battles. For God to work in your situations. For you not to have to figure it out when the enemy is coming against you and you not to have to mobilize your as hard as I can and I gotta, I gotta pull myself up by my bootstraps and make this happen and figure this out. No. Oh, you're called to worship. You're called to praise because there's somebody else fighting your battles. Can you say amen today? There's somebody else who's on your side who's for you and not against you. We sang about it today. He's not against you. I am who you say I am. I'm your sons. I'm, I'm your daughter. I'm not your daughter. Some of you are his daughters. And so, and, so, um, and so this is what Israel is called to. They're called to worship and God fights for them. They have these men called judges who tell them the word of the Lord and then they go obey God. And so when they said, look, guys, like Baal and Astaroth are not going to deliver you from the Philistines, and, and God moves on the hearts, and they say, okay, you're right, we're going to turn, we're going to serve once again, we're going to be obedient, we're going to worship, we're going to sacrifice, and then God begins to fight their battles. They don't need to look around. But I want to show you the killer called comparison. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is what happens when we begin to compare Chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Now it came to pass that when Samuel was old, he made his sons judges over Israel. And the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. And they turned against, excuse me, aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice, not good men. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together <clears throat> and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Can't we be like everybody else? I'm tired of this. Now I just wanna, I just wanna expose, you know, because when you first look at the passage, it seems reasonable, right? It's like, yeah, well, these guys who are our judges now aren't following God. So, so, can't we just have something else? And that sounds reasonable. I just want to remind you, this is an excuse as never before was a judge raised up because of familial bonds. Never was a son raised up from his father being a judge. That's the way of kings. That's how monarchies do it. My son automatically gets the position because he's my son. And that's not how God raised up judges. God didn't pick sons. He picked hearts. He picks people who have a heart for him and who can hear him. And so already they're begin to, beginning to look at how other people are doing stuff and saying, look, your sons are no good. Can't we just pick another king 
and, 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 and God's plan wasn't even this in the first place. God would say, this man, this woman loves me, follows me, can hear me. I'm going to raise them up to speak to a generation. And so they say, look, you're old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Can't we be like everybody else? Can't, can't we do it like that? That seems so much easier. There's like somebody telling them what to do all the time. We got to wait for you to hear from the Lord and then we got to sacrifice and then we got to like pray that God actually, you know, saves us and delivers, right? There's so much faith involved. It's too hard. Let's just have a king. That'd be so much more comfortable. I just want to encourage you today. Often comfortability will in in increase comparison. Oh, it's so hard to believe God for my finances. Can't I just like take out a loan? It's so hard to believe God's going to help my family. Can't I just like take them to counseling? Nothing wrong with counseling. But, but you know, it's so easy to look around and want to fix everything because faith takes, it takes relationship. And so what happens here in verse 6? The thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, this is one of the scariest verses in scripture to me. Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. I think this is so scary to me because I read this and I, and I believe God has our best interest in his heart. I know he does. But could there be areas in my life where I'm looking at other people and saying to God, God, I want to do it that way. And he says, okay, I'll let you do it. I'm going to warn you what's going to happen, but you can go. Could there be places that I'm going, people I'm in relationship with, people I'm comparing to who aren't wise to compare to and, and model my life after? And God says, instead of wrestling me back, he says, son, daughter, I've given you the, the option. You can follow me and have my favor, or you can do it your way and figure it out. It's scary to me because I have to evaluate my life and all of a sudden see, are there any ways that I'm doing this with God? Am I looking and saying, I want to do it like that, but God says, I've called you to walk in this. And I, I'm so stubborn that I say, no. <laughs> Could we be doing it? I just want to encourage you. Maybe we need to do some self-evaluation today. There's some areas in my life where I'm comparing to the wrong sources and following the patterns of some people in the world or some places or some things that I've not been called to that don't please God. Or maybe, maybe it's like everybody else. Everybody else is doing it, but it's not what God has for me. And so you have to hear from God what God has for you. You can't take the formulas of the world, how everybody fixes their problems and put band-aids on your life and expect God's favor to follow close behind. It's not how it works. You learn how to serve him, follow him, obey him, worship him, and he comes and he fights your battles and then you don't have to compare how people do kings. You can just follow God and he'll speak to you. And so I just wanna finish this chapter with you and then we're gonna read a couple more verses and pray. 
So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him, this is verse 10, who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and he'll appoint them for his own chariots to be his horsemen and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties and he will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some he will make his weapons of war and equipments for his chariots and he will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers uh, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves and, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to work, to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep he will, and you will be his servants and you will cry out in that day because of your king who you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. They didn't realize what they were asking for. They didn't realize the baggage that was included with how everybody else does it. God, we appreciate how you've been with us thus far, but let's just, let's just be normal. Let's just do this normally like everybody else. 19 says, nevertheless, even when told what would happen, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, we will have a king over us so that we also may be like all the nations just want to be like everybody else and that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. Oof, bad choice. I want to challenge you today. Could there be areas in my life, in your life, that we are replacing faith or comparison with how everybody else does it. This worked for them. This worked for their kids. This is how the world makes it happen. This is how the world gets ahead. And this isn't what God's saying, but I, I don't have any other better ideas other than have faith, and that seems kind of ethereal. And let me just encourage you today. If you choose to follow God in your situations, you choose to follow his word, you choose to worship and obey, I promise you, he will be on your side. And this is what I want to leave you with today. This is the best thing I got for you. So I hope you write it down. If you don't, maybe you'll remember it. <laughs> you can never replace favor with formula. I'm gonna say it one more time because that's the best I got for you. You can never replace favor with formula. What do I mean by that? I can't replace the favor of God because of the obedience and faithfulness in my life with the formula of the world, with how everybody else figures it out, with how everybody else does it. I can never replace God with comparison. It won't work. I, I won't be able to, to function. His favor won't be on it. He won't be with me in the same way and his grace won't be as, 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 as close as if I do it his way. And that may, be, may sound legalistic to you today, but it's just, it's just following God. It's called obedience to his word. And, and when we follow him, there's consequences. There's good consequences. When we reject him and leave him and start walking in the ways of how everybody else does it in the world, there's consequences. And he says, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I've been with you. I've done so many things for you. But if you leave me, I don't have... I don't have direction and control. And so you can never replace favor, God's favor, with a formula. Let me read these verses to you, verse 21, and then we're gonna close. Samuel heard the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And so the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And I just wanna remind you today, the fight in each of our lives 
is will I be spirit controlled through the Holy Spirit by faith or will I be flesh controlled through my flesh and the ways of the world because I want my own way? That's the fight on a, I'd say even more than a day-to-day basis on a moment-to-moment basis. Will I follow him and be spirit empowered and controlled or will I walk my own way because it makes sense to my mind, to my heart, to my flesh and everybody else is doing it? That's the battle. And so I just want to leave you with one verse and four points. I promise I'm coming to a close. People who teach pastors how to preach, which I, I don't know too many of those guys, but uh, they say, if you tell people you're closing, you have an extra 10 minutes. So I got you for 10 more minutes, which is going to leave us right on time at 12, 12, 10. So I got you. All right. Romans 12, 2. I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. It says this. I'll wait for it to go up on the screen and then I'll start because I want people to see this. Romans 12.2 and the New Living Translation says, don't copy. (laughs) Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Woo! I want to read that one more time. That's so good. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that I think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you because it is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. That's the fight. That's the battle. How do I not copy I want to copy the behaviors, customs of this world, but I want to follow God and I want him to renew my mind so I know what he's saying and I know where I'm going and I know what he's doing. So I want to leave you with four points today. How to stop comparing. Some practical steps to how I can actually, I never want to leave people with a a, a great sermon about, wow, I shouldn't compare myself to people, but then I have no tools to actually figure out when I'm doing it or what I should what I should pray about or some verses that will help me to understand it. And, and so I, I, I prayed and I, I feel like some of these four are not the complete list, but four good ones. And so the first one is um, remember who you are. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. You know, sometimes the root of comparison is insecurity. God, I, I failed so much, and I, I don't have these skills, and I don't have these gifts and these talents. I feel so weak. I feel so in, insignificant. I've never done anything amazing. I don't feel qualified for Oh, remember who you are. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're here for a purpose. You don't have to compare yourself. You don't have to live the Instagram lifestyle where you just look at what is everybody else doing and how's the world figuring out. And, oh my gosh, this person's so beautiful and they have so, they have so, many, so much blessing. And, and how, why, why not me? No, you have been called. And maybe you're not where you want to be, but praise God that none of us are where we used to be. And God is turning us into uh, who he wants us to be. And so remember who you are. You're special. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're part of a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a special people. Two is this. Choose contentment over comparison. That's so hard. It's so difficult in our generation because other people's lives are so accessible, but 
But I want to read to you 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. It says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, there's great gain, it says. That sounds strange because gain to me should be grasping for more. I need more. i got to gain. i got to get more. I need more. I have needs. I have to get more. But in contentment, there's great gain. I think that's supernatural because that don't make sense to me. That's not the ways of the world. That's not how I figure it out. Great gain to me looks like I need, but God says when I'm content, I'm starting to gain. And so choose contentedness over comparison. Three, you know, you have to realize you have different strengths and weaknesses than other people. You know, God realizes that too. You know, maybe you haven't come from a Christian home. You know, maybe you grew up in bondage. Maybe you grew up somewhere else other than church. You're not like John Gordon who bumped his head against most of these pews. And, you know, like I'm not saying that I didn't have choices to make to follow God. I have the opportunity to leave too. But, 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 but maybe you haven't been privileged in any way spiritually, financially, socially. Maybe you just feel like, I just want to remind you, God knows your, your weaknesses. He, he, he doesn't hold that against you. And he doesn't turn a blind eye to that that, you, that, that maybe there's some setbacks that I've come into contact with. I'll just read with, with you in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 12 through 13. There's certain authority that God has, get, has given you, certain favor, and he's going to increase that. But don't be discouraged when you look at the lives of other people and start comparing, because it's not fair, because you come from such a different spot. Says this, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. We don't compare ourselves to each other. We compare ourselves to God. What does He say about me? What does He say about my weaknesses? He doesn't judge me, He wants to strengthen me. We will not boast about the things done outside of the area of our authority. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given to us, which includes working with you. And so Paul is saying that, look, like, we all have different things we're called to. We all have different gifts, talents, abilities, and callings. And so you don't have to look, nor should you look at everybody else and try to just compare because it's not right and it's not fair. God has a different plan, authority, favor, giftings for every person. So don't look at other people and say, man, they're so strong in all these areas and I'm so weak. No, you have strengths that other people are weak in. And so don't do that. Last one is this. I have you for two more minutes. Rely on God's opinion of you rather than others' opinions. Last verse, Proverbs 29, verse 25. If, if Sarah, if you could come and play, because it makes it more effective. Just kidding. <laughs> Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this. The fear of the Lord, excuse me, that's the wrong, that's, that's exactly opposite of what I wanted to say. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man will bring a snare. And so I just want to leave you with those things today. Hey, remember who you are. Choose contentedness over comparison. Realize that you have different strengths and weaknesses than everybody else. And rely on God's opinion of you rather than others' opinion of yourself. And so today, could we just take the next few moments? I have to fix this keyboard, sorry. few moments and uh, 
I'd like for us to, to come to the altar and just take a few moments. If you have to leave, you're welcome to go. But if you feel God working in your heart today and you want to say, God, I want you to help me with, uh, I've been comparing myself to others, how they're doing and how they're doing this and how I'm doing and I've just been discouraged and I've been and it's been killing my joy and it's been maybe moms today who have been your stay-at-home moms you just look at all these other women who have teenage kids and they're like man they're doing so many things and and maybe you're at work and you're looking at other people who have job promotions and and so many and people in ministry and people and and you just feel so discontent today because of comparison so could we come to the altar right now and we're just going to pray for a few moments this morning and 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 so if you come if you come I know I know I'm not as good as getting you to come as my dad, but come on, come on. And we're going to pray today. We're going to pray. He's going to force you. <laughs> and, and, and what I'd like to do is I, I'd like to have just a few people pray today. If you feel like you'd like to, to pray for us this morning, you come and we're going to have a couple people pray for us today who feel this really strongly on their hearts. And so if you want to come and take this from me, I, I ask you to. And if you need to leave, God bless you. We love you. Be there Friday night. It's going to be an amazing night. But I want to pray, and then I want some other people to pray, and we'll just invite the Holy Spirit to come and work on us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just your word, God, that teaches us, God, that we don't have to live by the ways and customs of the world, but we can actually live by you and what you say. You renew our minds so that we can know where you're going and what you're saying. So today I pray that you'll help us, help me. God, I pray in a generation where we can look around and see so many different ways that the world is making it happen. And I pray that you give us grace today to follow you, to trust you, and to believe that you're good and that you're with us and that you're on our side. And so we love you today. We thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your grace. So just work in our hearts for these next few minutes as we ask you to help. As we ask you to help us to be contented. God, following you, we love you. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We thank you and we praise you. Lord, we know that you have called each one of us to yourself. Lord, we we know you have knit us in our mother's womb with specific purposes and plans for each of us. Lord, you've made us your very workmanship. You've called us poems, works of art, to walk in the things that you have called us for, that you've prepared us for. So, Lord, I just pray that each one of us would be reminded what you call us. Remind us, Lord, that we're new creations. Remind us that you've given us your mind. Remind us, Lord, that we are your children. Lord, I just pray that each one would be settled in that. And as we fix our eyes on you and we come to you on a regular basis and ask you, what about this? What about that? That you would inhabit and occupy every category, every nook, every part of our lives, every moment. And that we would feel your joy flood through us as we walk hand in hand as your friend, just like you called Abraham. Pray that at every turn in our life, every decision, big and small, we would know, Lord, that you have gone before us, that you've got our back, and that you're actually with us, in us, and through us. Just pray that that reality would allow us to give you praise, honor, and thanksgiving. And it would shed... Lord, shed all the other struggles and weights. Pray that it would give glory and honor to the story you have 
written in each of our lives. Pray for each heart, each family, each story. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, loosen the concern that we have, what other people think about us and our lives and, and how we do things, Lord. Lord, I ask that you, we wouldn't be concerned with how other people get where they need to go, but, and not even be concerned with how we get there, but be concerned with how you want us to get there, Lord, and how you guide us. Lord, I just have this beautiful picture of a little boy, and he's holding his dad's hand, and the dad is walking him across the street. Lord, I ask that you would just bring us to that humble place where we don't only care about you helping us across the street, and not about how someone else gets across the street, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you would just take everybody's hands today and that you would just allow us and, and to bring us to the place where we want to lift out our hand and grab yours, Lord, and you would just carry us and walk us across the street in Jesus' name. Thank you. Lord, it's said in the word that if I was out to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Lord. And I know this is a big thing that you keep putting before me, Lord. Lord, I pray you would set us all free. Help us to know when we're, when we're looking to man, when our eyes are not on you and, and just listening to you and knowing your pleasure and doing all unto you and just being, forgetting about what people think, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just so move it in our hearts that you would quicken it to us when we're walking the wrong way. And just, uh, you are the one. You are the one we serve, and you are the one with whom we have to do. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And uh, you are our pleasure. You are our life. You are our peace. And all is to be done unto you, Lord. And you will receive all glory in this way, Lord. So, Lord, help us. Strengthen us to know that you are the one to just turn our eyes upon you and get them off of man. Lord, strengthen us in this way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we have one more person pray and then we're going to close today? One more person will step. Can we pray with us today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I just thank you so much for making your word alive to us in new ways today, Father God. And you've been showing me so much about the body of Christ and how no matter where we are in that body, that without each individual person, the body cannot walk, the body cannot move, the body cannot serve you. Father, so I just ask that we do not stub our toe or hit our head as our bodies are just moving to serve you and follow you, that we keep our eyes on you, Father, so that everything that we do can glorify you, Father God. Thank you so much for your word today. Lord, defeat that spirit of comparison so that you are all we compare ourselves to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've been present with us today. God, we welcome you into our life, God, to do surgery on us. God, I pray that you'll help us, God, not to look at the world around us and compare how everybody else does life. But God, I thank you. You have a beautiful life and plan and path set ahead for us. So Lord, I pray that we won't compare ourselves to the world or even to each other, but to the version of us you have called us to be. And so Lord, I thank you today, God, that you're going to bring us to that place as we follow you. 
and not others. So Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for every person in this room today. Bless them, keep them, call them. I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind us of this as soon as we begin to compare or become uncontent with ourselves because of others around us. God, I pray that you'll check us and remind us of your word. We love you. We thank you. We haven't been chosen to compare ourselves to others, but only to you. We love you today and we thank you. In Jesus' name, you say with me, amen.